Today's episode is the last part of my conversation about ministry. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. So far, you've heard two parts of my conversation with Edwin Crozier, Terry Francis, and Keith Stonehart about what it means to be a minister. I hope you'll enjoy this last part of our conversation where we get into some personal stories and we talk about ministers we have respected and looked up to through the years. Let's jump right in. So let me ask on a more positive note, what is your favorite aspect of your ministry? If you could do one thing every day, all day long. I mean, if there's just something you love, what is it? Open the Bible and talk to people about it. Just be able to sit down across the table with folks and, and discuss the Word and, and have actual real study, um, real, let's look at this, let's challenge each other on what it says. And honestly, I'm good with that, whether it's me teaching, me being taught, fussing with somebody about something, you know, debating and arguing or having a good discussion. Unless it's Terry. I don't like arguing with Terry. He, he yells at me. <laughs> yeah, but, that's uh, fruitless. <laughs> that, that's fruitless arguing with Terry. But uh, I, I mean, I, I enjoy that. In fact, I, we joke about it. Terry and I have had some pretty serious arguments over the years. Uh, and and it like, like serious enough that one of us had to call the other and reconcile later <laughs> serious. Uh, so, I mean, that's happened, but which is why he wants me to read the peacemaker, which amen. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I know one of the greatest ways I learn is by hashing things out with people. And, uh, it's so for me, all of that is, is, uh, if, if there was just the one thing that would be it. And I, I'd want to spend time reading with other people talking about it and learning from each other. So one of my heroes of the faith is used to preach there where you are, Edwin, uh, Steve Cawthon. Mm, and yeah. one of my favorite things about him that I've ever, ever known about him is that he had the Acts 247 put up, you know, displayed in his office. Uh, this idea of every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved, because that mm -hmm. was his goal. He mm -hmm. wanted to have a conversation with someone who did not have the gospel yet about the gospel every day and and, and did a fantastic job at it. So I, I just thought that was a really good way of, of handling that as a goal. Let me tie this back into your last question about something to change about the work. I wish I were more naturally bold to do that. Yesterday, I was at Starbucks trying to get some writing done, and a fellow sat down next to me, saw my Bible. And of course, that's one of the reasons why I do that out there is to try to get conversations going. I'm trying to work at that. But this guy, I mean, he was just straight up bold, willing to talk, and it was great. We had a wonderful conversation. I hope we will be able to continue doing that. But I will say, I left that conversation, even though I, 
I think that fellow is wrong in his theology and in his doctrine and what he believes the gospel teaches us to do. At the same time, I thought, man, I wish I were more like that guy that just is 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 ready to just you know talk and be more outgoing. I, I do think that's probably one of the things. I, I know that some of that is just inherent nature, genealogy and DNA, but I think some of that's probably also something I can work on. So that I appreciate you sharing that. I may put that up on this office. We may put it back here in the Livingston office again. All right, Keith, what about you? Getting to work with people. I, you know, but you know, my statement earlier about, you know, loving difficult people or unloving people doesn't change the fact that I'm a people person. Um, and I, you know, you know, me, I, I, I walk into a room and, and I'm going to make friends with somebody. And I love the fact that I get to meet new people all the time. Um, that's, that's one of the things that I love. And if, if I could, if I could just do one aspect of, of ministry and that's all I had to do, I would travel. I would spend a week somewhere different, you know, every week. And I would preach somewhere I would preach there for a week and then move on to the next place, which would be great because I'd only have to write one sermon, right? <laughs> you know, you don't have to preach one sermon all the time, but I would love to go and spend a, a week somewhere else every week and, 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 and get to know people and work with people and then move on and meet some more people that, you know, having, you know, my, my background with the, the touring musician thing, that's always been one of my favorite things in life was, I mean, that it's just to go different places all the time. I, you know, I'm okay at home, but I love being on the road. I love going on trips and and I love meeting new people. And so if that's, if that's all I could do, that's what I would do. All right, Terry, what about you? Oh, I, I guess, um, you know, Edwin gave the, the right answer to, to study, but if it, you know, if, if I could be totally just honest about what I like the most, it's more similar to what Keith said, which is, I, I just like being around people. I mean, I, some of my most memorable moments in, in this work have been with people in really tough situations, whether that's at a hospital or a funeral home or, or whatever it may be, maybe counseling or whatever. But also the, on the other side of that is just the opportunities to be with people, um, even just socially. You know, one of the highlights of my week has been for, for a lot of years, um, every Friday we took our kids to breakfast before school and that just became our habit. But the last two years, some of the kids from church have joined us for breakfast and, um, it, it's just really cool to be able to, to start a morning off with, you know, your kids and other kids that are Christians and joke around and spend time with them and have those bonds. For me, that's one of the most rewarding parts of, of my work, whether it's that or, or cause the other side, it's not just kids. I mean, I, some of my closest friends have been people older than me. Um, you know, just picking up the phone and talking to Lanil Salter, Adam for 15, 20 minutes is a, is a highlight of my week. Sometimes I, it's just the time to spend with people and not necessarily rebuking them or, or, even trying to teach them something, really just building those relationships, relationship building is the part that I enjoy the most, awesome. which makes yeah, that's all those, one of those other aspects easier, by the way, if you can build relationships. When I have to go to somebody and tell them something I don't want to tell them, if I have that existing relationship, it's way easier. <laughs> way easier. I agree. Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's one of the things when people ask me why I do camp, 
you know, why, you know, well, I've been doing this for so long and why I'm so passionate about it. I'm like, you got this all wrong. I do. I, I do camp for selfish reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I go to camp because I want to be around that many people. I want to have that many conversations in a day. I Dude, want I, to, I, I go to I, camp I, I to be to, with Keith and Adam for, for a whole week. Like, I mean, yeah, we get to basically live together for a week and it's great. us and 500 of our other closest friends. I mean, yeah, that's right. It's amazing. And so it's, you know, I, I've had, I've had people ask me, they're like, doesn't that get old? I'm like, no, that never gets old to me. Um, I grew up, I grew up in a, in a situation where I was lonely a lot when I was a kid, like I was alone and a lonely, you know? And, and so, you know, cause being alone and lonely are two separate things, but I was both. And so whenever I, 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 I made it to a, a, a place in life where I could interact with more people, uh, that we kind of gotten out of that situation that we were living in. And, uh, I had more freedom to have more, I had friends over and, you know, got into high school and, and, and made more friends and all that really, it fed a psychological need with me. And so I love that. So I'll tell you, my favorite, uh, aspect is, is kind of related to all three of your answers, which is meeting a need. Uh, there's just something about the feeling of knowing you met the need of the moment, whether that be in sitting down and studying with somebody and you see all the light bulbs go off in their head and all of a sudden they're seeing things they've never seen before or uh, having that conversation with an older lady who's, who is lonely and, and kind of brightening up her week, just, just seeing the needs met, that serving of others and knowing the service was successful. Um, yeah. That was hard to say with a list, but um, <laughs> that, that you did it fantastically. Just, just, you were thank great. You. Thank you. Uh, that was stupendous. I'm sure. So um, <laughs> it's uh you did uh, super well. <laughs> so that, that idea of being able to, to, to just see everything come together is just a, a, a wonderful, just honestly, a selfishly wonderful feeling that I, that I seek as a preacher. So, all right, just a couple more questions. Uh, one is name a preacher, minister, someone that, you know, and this does not have to be someone in the, in the, the job of preaching. It could be just a Christian, you know, who has been an exceptional, uh, in, in their ministry, but name someone that has been exceptional, an exceptional example to you of ministry and what is it about them that you admire so much? So for me, I mean, present company excluded, obviously, because uh, I obviously highly respect the three of y'all very much. Uh, you know, Adam, for the way that you think, Terry, for, for your sense of humor. Edwin, you, you constantly feed me new sermons to preach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for posting your outlines online. That's right. Um, no, uh, for present company excluded, uh, Steve Wilshire was, was, yeah. I mean, we just lost him and um, still struggling with that, to be honest. Uh, he's left a really large hole to fill and I'm trying not to get emotional now, but um, Steve was an exceptional minister. Uh, he met the needs of thousands of people. Uh, he he taught the gospel to thousands of people and selflessly gave of himself for what I don't know how many cars he's given away to people. I don't know how many kids he has sent to Florida College. He had the wherewithal to do that and he used it for the kingdom. I miss him. Outside of him, 
a guy that gets a lot of grief and a lot of it he brings on himself. Dan DeGarmo. <laughs> I love Dan. I will love Dan till the day I die. He's still one of my, he's one of my closest friends. I've never met anybody that has converted more people to Christ than Dan DeGarmo. Outside of Steve Wilsher. I mean, Dan, I mean, Dan is in a room full of people in Chillicothe that he has had his hands on every one of them and baptized most of those people into Christ. And for for all the grief that he might get at times, he's one of my favorite people in the whole world. He's one of my closest friends. And I really respect his passion for evangelism. Edwin? It's hard for me to put one name on that. I, I had mentored by a couple of different fellas that I continue to respect and admire in lots of ways. Harold Comer, David Tomley, Max Dawson, working with him for seven years. These are guys that I do admire. But right now, in thinking about your question, I'm thinking about the brothers, and, and all three of those that I just mentioned would be a part of this. But like the Sewell Hall, the Paul Earnhardt, the Bill Hall, the, the D. Bowman, Ed Harrell, the, the fellows who gave their lives to ministry, who gave their lives to preaching and teaching, and they stuck with it the whole time. Because there are plenty of times that I think, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to be done with this. <laughs> and some of the discouragement that, that happens, uh, usually self-caused, I know. But just looking at fellows who have stuck with it and they're continuing with it, and they're hanging on to it. And I especially know, as I'm talking about these fellows who are 20 and 30 years older than I am, that it was harder for them, I think, when they got into it 30 and 40 years before I did than it has been for me. I have been very blessed. I, I have had very little of some of the negative interactions that, that others have had been financially well taken care of. Most of the financial struggles have been my own, not, not because the brethren have forced it upon me. Um, and I look at these fellows who, who have done all of that humbly, consistently, persistently. I admire that. Terry? Well, yeah, the, the challenge is to, to put one guy down there. Obviously, all three of you, I think highly of, I'll be like Keith. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, most people know that Edwin's probably outside of my wife, my closest friend in the in the world. And there's probably times she questions whether he's, he's closer. (laughs) Um, and, and of course, Adam and I working together and then ended up an hour apart. It's been just a blessing. And Keith, well, Keith and I have, I just love Keith, but, um, and there was a time I probably would have answered Wilson Adams and he deserves honorable mention because he, he not only trained me, but he fulfilled the role of, of a father at a time I really needed that because my dad died when I was so young. But there's a guy here, it's kind of like Keith, there's a guy here that's one of our shepherds who, <clears throat> oddly enough, didn't want me to move here. Felt like we were too different, felt like I was not what they needed. He wasn't a shepherd at the time, became a shepherd, and over time has just become a friend. He, he looked like a lot like Steve, loves souls, and has done a lot, and um, he's very active in jail ministry every week. Um, goes and, and teaches at uh, re- rehabilitation facilities on a regular basis, is very dedicated in that way. But beyond that, he's been very dedicated to me, it has largely been responsible for, you know, earlier, Adam, you said that Tiffany tells you that if you, you know, you need, you, you're a member too. 
and you need to act like a member. And I agree with that. I think sometimes though churches struggle to treat us like members. And for the first time um, in a long time, Joe, Joe Smith shepherds me like a shepherd probably should, not as a hireling, but as just somebody who's a disciple. We spend a couple hours a week together, just privately. Uh, it's completely helped me. There was some healing that I needed to do from where I was before. And I can tell you that he's probably 85% responsible for a lot of the healing that's occurred. And uh, so I, I just, uh, I look up to him tremendously, especially right now, this time of my life. So I, I have to, I do have one man that I would look to probably more than anybody else, which would uh, be my dad. Uh, my dad being a, a preacher, I, I got to watch him do it and I got to watch him do the struggles. And because of him, I never wanted to be a preacher. Uh, and and not necessarily because of him, but because of the things he endured over the years. Uh, but to watch the way he, he went through those things very humbly. And he always had the mindset of I'm here to serve. And if that means putting myself aside to do that, then I will do that, uh, has just been an incredible example to me over the years and my interactions with people. Uh, so he's probably the, the, the one I look up to the most when it comes. Now he's the last one I call when I have a question, weirdly, uh, just because I don't want to be that that kid who never grows up. But uh, but he j- just having watched him the first twenty years of my life fight with uh, fight the battles that preachers fight uh, yep. has been uh, such a such a lesson for me, and uh, that that has been invaluable for me. Um, but I mean, like y'all said, there are, there are dozens of others I can appreciate and, and love both older, even some that are younger than me, uh, to watch the things that they're going through and see them walk through the same battles I walked through, but to do it with more grace and more wisdom than I did, uh, just gives me hope for, uh, their, their continued work. So last question before we, we wrap this up. I sent y'all questions before, but we'll kind of end on a high note. What's the best story you have as a as a minister? I've I've got quite a few to pull from here. I need a I need a second to gather. Uh, back when I first moved here, not really uh, acclimated to the area yet, and um, I was invited to to go preach at a congregation up in up in the Coleman area around the lake, and I you know the I I got the the contact and, and when to be there and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I got up and I'm not sure how far the drive is going to be and put up on Google maps and it's a little over an hour. So I'm thinking, okay, well I better leave in time and all this. And I, and I go and uh, you know, I punched the name of the church into my, my, my GPS and I go and I, I get there and I walk in and no one's really talking to me. And um, I'm like, wow, this is going to be awkward. Okay. Well, whatever. And, and then, so I go up and I introduce myself to an older man who looked like he might know what's going on. And I explained to him that, yeah, I'm the guy that you, you guys invited to come up and preach. And, um, and he looked at me for a second and he goes, oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, you'll, you'll go, you'll, you'll preach at this, you know, this time and we'll tell you to go. And, and I did pre, you know, when, when it was time I preached the lesson was over, I'm shaking hands with, with everybody. And, and, um, I, I, I look at my phone and I see that I've got 16 missed calls. I was at the wrong congregation. <laughs> there are, there are two congregations that they're within about two miles of each other. Um, and their names are very similar. 
these people were just glad to have me. And uh, the guy who was going to preach that day happily sat down and let me do it. But I totally missed the one I was supposed to go to. Oh, that's awesome. I can't beat yeah, that. Why? It's like I just walked in and said, look, I'm preaching, all right? Uh, <laughs> get ready. Oh, that's trusting your brother right there. Yeah, well, I mean, they were just like, okay, all right. Well, I mean, if you say so, I mean, uh, you'll 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 go on at this time. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right, Edwin, what you got? Oh, well, I mean, I got nothing now. That that's that's <laughs> that just takes the cake. We should have built up to that, that one. That would have been like letting Edwin go first on defining ministry. See, it's over now. It's over. Hey, now. I can edit uh, these in order of, of least funny to funniest. I mean, we, we can take care of that on the editing side. Listen, I'm I'm, I'm happy to be the comic relief. <laughs> so, okay, so talking obviously great experiences, exciting experiences are, are dealing with watching people turn to the Lord, being able to, to study with them and seeing the lights come on and them decide, yes, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to become a child of God. Uh, funny in those moments, there was a couple, and this is years ago. I was living in Texas at the time. I was much, much younger. We had studied and in fact, this is one of those very strange, odd occasions where it was the first lesson and I, we got to the end of it and um, they they actually, you know, as I, I don't remember what the lesson was that I presented to them. Uh, I think it may have been, I, I, I'd gone through with uh, where did all the different churches come from? And when I end the way I do that lesson, I talk about what we as a church are trying to do. And kind of my last point is we're trying to make sure that we teach the plan of salvation, the gospel, the the way the Bible says, the New Testament, we, we want to make sure it's governed by that, not by any creed books or what men have written. And usually I kind of ended there and say, do you want to get together next week and let's study some more? And they they turned to me. So this is one of the most exciting moments. They turned to me and said, yeah, yeah, we want to know that. We want to know what the New Testament says about how to be saved. Can we go ahead and learn that? Yes. I mean, no, right now. We don't want to meet next week. Can we learn that right now? Well, sure. And we went through it. And and sure enough, that very night, they were baptized into Christ. They're still faithful today. I'm, I'm glad to, to know that about them. But probably the funny thing was that uh, when we went to baptize both of them, the wife told me she was scared of water. She told me she was scared of water and this idea of getting baptized petrified her. But of course she was going to do it. And I said, no problem. We'll take it slow. We'll be easy. Got her down in the water. We were going to do it a very easy way. And I said, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to put, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of lift water up here and pour it down your back until you get used to this water. You tell me when you're ready to go under. She had confessed her faith in Jesus. And now we were just waiting for her to say, okay, do it now. And, uh, so she waited and waited, and finally she said, okay, do it now. Baptized her. It was great. You know, She came up out of the water, gave me a big old hug. She was crying. I was crying. She got up out of the water. Her husband came down in. He did not tell me he was scared of the water. <laughs> he was, I don't know, six or seven inches taller than me. Plus, he had a, a leg issue where one of his knees wouldn't bend. And so that was making it all kinds of awkward to try to figure out how to, because a lot of times what I'll do is I'll have people just go ahead and get on their knees to make it easier and I'll, I'll push them forward. Yes. Uh, that's, that's often a lot easier than doing this take them back thing. Well, I couldn't, he couldn't bend his knees, so I couldn't do that. I had to take him back. 
He didn't tell me he was scared of the water. So we're just going through normal baptism. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Well, based on your confession of faith, I'm going to baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And I took him back, and he just flung his arms out and hollered and squalled, ah! <laughs> you know, now I'm fighting with him to get him under the water and then fighting with him to get him back out of the water and trying to get him stood back up on his leg that, that, uh, didn't quite work right. And, uh, almost pulled us both under that. That's probably one of the, the, the funniest memories, uh, just in, tied to it. It was, it was, if, if he had just told me we, we could have worked through that as well, but no, he, he didn't. So Perry, what you got? Well, I mean, so on the great end, I could think of a lot of really amazing experiences. Uh, it seems like we're going down the funny path. And a lot of those do involve baptisms for some reason. Um, one was a lady who, who told me she had a wig on before we baptized her, and that was a concern. Um, oh, no. Uh, she, we convinced her to take it off. It was not easy. Um, the funniest one was... Um, a lady who also did not tell me she was scared of water. And I, I tell people all the time, don't be scared. I know what I'm doing now. I, I, I don't know why I still take people back. Cause I know going forward is easier. I think it's just because it feels like going forward isn't a burial and people will get upset, but you no, know, she seemed fine and all that stuff. Well, and the other thing is I've had people before, you know, people always watching to see if you get them completely immersed so I make sure I get them completely immersed, like I watch, because I don't want to deal with that whole discussion. You know, oh, their big toe came out. And when did it come out? All that. So we go to baptize her. Um, her co-worker stand up on the stairs that, that had the Bible study with her. She tries to fight a little bit, so I determined, no, you're going down. And, <laughs> and I pushed her down. And I brought her up and everybody's, everything's okay, except for she had not closed her mouth when I put her down. Well, she comes up just coughing, grabbing her throat. <laughs> and I literally thought, and Adam, you might've been there for this. I literally thought we might've just killed her. And, and I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't the, laugh. I look up at the stairs at the guy who had studied with her and he literally looks at me and just goes, if she dies, she's saved at this point. <laughs> and, I mean, what do you do at that point? Uh, but uh, thankfully, she was okay. Uh, did not did not perish. But I was afraid we had killed her in her that that old. What if she slides into the, you know slips and hits her head and doesn't? I mean that that whole theoretical hypothetical question you get asked about baptism and salvation was this close to being a reality. So mine is a story where I almost did kill somebody. Uh, was his name Terry place where I ever preached uh, and we had uh, this was in central Florida and we had a bunch of snowbirds that would come down and we had you know probably I'd say six or seven different couples that would come down from up north and for whatever reason uh, one of I was preaching on the good shepherd and talking, you know, basically building a sermon off of uh, Shepherd Read Psalm 23, if you've ever read that small book, but talking about what it's like to be a shepherd and all the different aspects of the sheep. Well, the man of this older couple walked with a cane, and I was describing a shepherd's crook, and and I'm up there preaching, and I'm watching, uh, you know, the people, and he uses his cane to tap my mother-in-law, who attended with us on her shoulder. 
And she ignored it because she thought he kind of had a sense of humor. So she thought he was just, you know, hey, look, I've got a cane too, just like Adam's talking about. And so she ignored it and he tapped her again and she ignored it and she tapped her. He tapped her again and she ignored it. Finally, she turned around to find out what's going on. And the man's wife, Marie, had fallen over in the pew and was unresponsive. And I'm watching all of this happen. I'm really, so she jumps up and she goes and checks on him and two other couples go over and check on him. Finally, I watched my mother-in-law walk around the auditorium to the front where the, the office and the phone were so that she could make a phone call. I'm watching all this happen. They're, they're, they've picked Marie up. Her wig has come off. They've taken her big coat off there. I mean, it, it's just a, a big to do. Front half of the congregation has no clue anything's happening. They do this fairly quietly. Uh, I'm still preaching. Like I, I just keep going because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, one of them drops dead and they continue having worship service. That's what we're supposed to do here. Like that's what my <laughs> young brain tells me. So I keep preaching uh, about shepherding. I'm not stopping my sermon for nobody. That's right. And uh, so finally, about 15 minutes later, the, the ambulance, the two paramedics come in with a gurney down the center aisle of the church building, at which point I say, you know, we probably need to stop the sermon and pray for Marie. And everybody turns around and sees ambulance there, the lights are, you know, they, they, it's just a big to do. Well, we end the prayer, they've loaded Marie up, and I go with them in the, with the ambulance. So the sermon just stopped in the middle. And from what I've heard, they just went, well, we need an invitation song. So they sang a song instead of prayer because you can't end service without a song and a prayer. Uh, so of they course. made sure they kept the tradition alive no matter what. So, uh, But that was uh, the one time I almost killed a person while preaching. So, Hey, listen, whenever someone says, hey, man, knock them dead, they don't mean it, Adam. They don't. <laughs> Don't really mean. I did that day. Woo! Best sermon oh. ever. Oh my goodness! Well, he guys, I, them. Yeah, I I really appreciate y'all doing this. This is a little bit different for me, and uh, to to have three of y'all on here. But I can't think of three better guys to have on here. I hope you have found this episode in the last two to be especially beneficial. Ministers love people. That's what I've found over the years, and we love God. And that's why we do the work that we do. It is not typically lucrative. It is not something we do because it's gonna set us up for uh, great fame in the future. It is something we do merely because we love a God who tells us to love people. I hope you have considered being a minister yourself. Maybe not professionally, but as a member of the Lord's Church, we are all told to do the work of an evangelist. We are all told to take that great commission and go out there and share the truth with others. We are all told to use our gifts for God to serve other people. All of those are aspects of what it means to be a minister. And so I hope you have considered your part in doing this great work that God has given his church to do. If we can help you in some way, reach out to us, edenhollow.com or preachimpediments.com. You can find ways to contact us there. You can also sign up for a newsletter at preachimpediments.com and you can receive information about different articles, different uh, podcast episodes, and uh, other things going on with the Eden Hollow 
We want you to do good work for the kingdom, and you can be a part of that work too. Let us know how we can minister to you. Until next time.